Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Ask OTC, the show where we answer all of your questions from the week in European football. I'm Dotson Adebayo. I'm Andy Brassel. I'm Dave College. This question from DK Sorensen. Will Jordan Henderson improve the IX side at all? And what are your thoughts on the saga generally? What a saga. Yeah, it really is. And just because Jordan Henderson has damaged his reputation in so many ways uh, over the last six months, I don't think we can get away from the fact that he remains a very good footballer. Um, certainly in an Eredivisie context. Now, of course, he was offered to, to other clubs and I, I couldn't really have seen him fitting in or improving uh, Leverkusen or Bayern Munich, for example. But Ajax, I think, is a more complex question, actually, because clearly they've lost an enormous amount of talent over the last couple of years. The, the sale of that talent has not been managed particularly well because... Their transfer dealings, and particularly last summer when Sven Mislintat was in charge, they've made some bad signings, and they've made some expensive bad signings as well. They've been out there spending a lot of money. We're going back. In terms of transfer market mishaps, we're at, at that sort of level. We're looking at, like before Martin Yol took charge, we're, we're talking about like 10 years plus since Ajax have done stuff that daft in the market. Now, there are two ways of looking at this. One, should they be offering a contract which will not be as big as his Saudi contract, obviously, but it will still be a big contract by Ajax standards um, to Jordan Henderson, which you know could be up to two and a half years, although it seems they're keeping an option on the, on, on the final year. So we're looking at probably 18 months initially. Should they be doing that? On the other hand, this is a team that, is now going with a lot of young players and a lot of young talent. You know, you look at Brian Brobby, who's come back from that unsuccessful spell at Leipzig. He's almost one of the more senior players. And I think there's plenty of talent at Ajax, but you look at where they are, and particularly defensively where they are, a lot of their problems defensively in the first part of this season are due to inexperience. You know, that's, that's where they've been. So is there an argument, David, that, Henderson can bring that little bit of know-how to quite a callow that's, squad. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I think there's an avenue here for him to to come in and almost instantly be installed as one of the leaders in that dressing room, potentially. Um, 
Which is good for his self-esteem straight off after, for, after which, the last little Yeah, which is, which is great for him. Um, I think he can come in, show himself to be a leader there. I mean, I know you know he doesn't know the club and what have you, but he can easily come in. I think and have an influence in that dressing room. You know, he's got a lot of titles behind him. He's got a lot of silverware behind him. Um, he can come in there, calm things, soothe things. I think in midfield as well, um, and be a presence that I think Ajax lack. The flip side is to this. This really um, puts an exclamation point on how far Ajax have you know gone off track. I think, mm. when they're forced into a signing like this. Um, a player who's been a... He's been a, he's been a good midfielder. Look, he's, he's, been a, he's had a very good career. Absolutely. But in terms of ability, in terms of style, it just feels like Ajax have really deviated from what they are. Um, and it perhaps, yeah, it, it underlines, I think, of how many problems, that, you know, how deep the problems are. There. That will be the question mark, I suppose. You could compare it in a way to... Remember when he was back in his Chelsea pomp, how Frank Lampard was linked with Barcelona, for example. Mm. Frank Limp- Lampard, one of the best midfielders in the history of the Premier League. Amazing. A, but... che- a Chelsea legend, a Premier League legend. Technically suited to the sort of football that Barcelona wanted to play at that point? No, absolutely not. And it does have to draw a little question over the future of, of where Ajax are, are trying to go. It does feel a little bit short-termy for that reason, doesn't it? You know, there's, if it's an emergency for Henderson, it's an emergency for Ajax as well, isn't it? Yeah, it suits each other in, in that part. I think they both... What do we say about desperate uh, parties in the transfer window <laughs> over the last couple of... in the January transfer window over yeah. the last couple of weeks? I, I suppose this is another one of those perfect January transfers in that sense, Yeah, isn't it? anything that brings love, loving um, couples together... Uh, loving Cup, no, I, I said that all wrong. <laughs> but the, what I did want to say is, let's not forget the other side to this question. What are your thoughts on the saga generally? And the saga began with Jordan Henderson deciding to leave Liverpool, which were willing to offer him another year's contract from the way Jurgen Klopp uh, talked about it, weren't well, they? That and- was the thing. He wanted, to, he wanted to play more. And he'll definitely play more at, at Ajax. Now, you know, in terms of in terms of his image, which was like at an all time high when he was at Liverpool, because you know he was seen as not not just a, a good player, but a good guy, a leader, as someone who stood for something more than more than football, and that's something that you know football really needed. I think you could see the interest in him all over Europe and you've seen like and, and Lillian Lillian Taram for example, someone as great as Lillian Taram, someone as great off the pitch as on the pitch as Lillian Taram saying I love Jordan Henderson. I wish um more white players were like him to support black players. And you think of everything he did um to support the LGBTQ+ community. And I think people have got every right to feel like let down uh, that th- he, he he went to Saudi after that and his attempts to mitigate that he just dug himself a much bigger hole and that actually has been it seems there's been no real financial reward for it either because because of the tax implications it looks as if he might have ended up playing that for free. six months for free so look he is like Ajax coming from a low ebb at this point. If you're looking at a situation in which 
he can be relied on, in which he can be important. And we're talking just about in, in football terms now. We can't talk about other terms because he's burnt a lot of that. This question from J.D. Cameron. How good is the job that Garcia Pimienta has done at Las Palmas, just promoted, nothing budget, unique location, and they're playing really interesting and fun football. Where do you want to start with that one? Well, if you can get over the heart attack inducing offside trap they play, then um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, you can really enjoy Las Palmas play. Um, Garcia Pimienta, their coach, very much schooled in the, uh, the old Barca way, uh, highly influenced by Pep by Bielsa, um, that ilk of coach, plays a lot of this uh, juego de posición, um, very strong positional play in his tactical setup. Um, always looking, wanting the player on the ball to have three, four different options for the angle of the pass, constant movement, constant you know, transitions, very fluid player. They've been a joy to watch. Um, spent first season up from promotion as well. Spent about 4.3 million, 4.5 million, I think, in the summer. Um, playing some of the most exciting football in the Liga. I'd even go as far as to say anywhere around in Europe. Um, I think if you are sat on, on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon and you don't have a game to watch and you see Las Palmas are on, they're a sort of team I'd say you you must watch them. I think what's amazing is the fact that they've managed to find a way to win when none of their strikers can score. If if you look at you know the, the talent that they've assembled up front should be able to get them a reasonable amount of goals to make them competitive in terms of staying up. You know, you mm. look at Sandro Ramirez, you look at Munir, they're players who should all be able to chip in. Instead, it's Kieran Rodriguez, who Sid Lowe wrote a column about him this week in The Guardian. Fascinating story about his um, comeback from cancer. Really inspiring. Um, he's he's their top scorer from, from midfield because they have all these strikers that aren't putting it in the back of the deck. Now, you know what? They wouldn't be far off being a, a junior Girona if some of those players who we know can score goals at that level could actually stick it in the back of the net. I mean, this really is a good example of there are lies, damn lies and statistics. Because if you look at the numbers, you would think, oh, they're a very, a very sensible team. But but you would, wouldn't you? Yeah. The, the defensive record in terms of numbers, it's just like what we were saying on the main OTC about Barcelona and their defensive record in the first part of last season suggested they're all very belt and braces when actually the way they defended was quite risky. And, you know, this is the link, really, isn't it? With the Garcia-Pimienta link between yeah. Barcelona and Las Palmas. It was really interesting. I mean, they destroyed Villarreal the, the other night. And it was really interesting seeing Marcelino at Villarreal with his traditional 4-4-2 against this incredibly fluid Garcia Pimienta system. And I watched the opening, I think it's been 10, 15 minutes of that. And I think Villarreal had already been caught offside about four times, three or four <laughs> times. And I was just watching, I was like, oh, they're screwed. They're, they're, <laughs> they don't know what's coming. Everybody knows what Las Palmas do, but they were falling for every time. I was like, oh, they're, they're done for here. And they went and got B3-0. Uh, this from Takim... And by the way, Las Palmas, ninth in La Liga. That's where Junior Girona sit. Yeah, Junior Girona. Yeah, sure. I'm it's, not it's, sure they're going to like that, mate. I, I think they'll take it. I yeah. think they'll take yeah. it. They would have. They would have taken it at the start of the season. S- scored nineteen, conceded <laughs> seventeen. It's just incredible to see where they are with this. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. 
Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. How would you like to look 5 years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking 5 years younger at 6 months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Yeah, this from Takim. What could be the reason that Bayern have been unable to get their transfer targets over the past few windows? Well, when we think of Bayern, we think of stability upstairs. Mm. We don't necessarily think of stability on the bench. It's never really about the coach, the head coach, is it? It's just another employee in many cases. It's a machine. Like, even when it was, yes, even when it was Pep Guardiola. What Guardiola loved so much about coaching Bayern for those three years is at Barcelona, he was front of house. You know, he had to represent Barcelona, represent the way they played, what the club was all about, the political side of it, what they meant to Catalonia. I think he was a little bit exhausting. Whereas at Bayern, you just take care of the football, we'll take care of everything else, said Hernes and Rummenigge. And he really enjoyed that. Now, I think when you look at the difficulties that Bayern coaches have had over the last little while, and... It's remarkable to think that Thomas Tuchel has still not been in charge there for a year because so much has happened. (laughs) So much has happened. You know, he could have won more trophies than he's actually won and he probably could have been sacked about three times as well. And then you look at Nagelsmann before that who was introduced with the idea of a long-term plan. They gave him a five-year contract having paid 25 million to get out of his contract, which they binned him a year and a half into that five-year contract, by, by the way. He, it, he was it, a favoured son. It, it, is, it is mad. And everything he had to put up with, which was like legacy problems that hadn't been dealt with, not by Hansi Flick, but not been dealt with in the Hansi Flick era. So they're defensively weak. They're still looking for that 
number six. Thomas Tuchel's talking about it all the time still. <laughs> they, they didn't get Palinja over the line. They're looking at it all over again. Probably Eric Dyer will end up standing in there at some point during the season, even though they've been at pains to stress that he's a centre-back option rather than an option for defensive midfield. And that tells you, after Hernes and Rummenigge went, what a mess things were with Hassan Salihamidzic as the sporting director and particularly Oliver Kahn as the... Um, as, as, as the CEO. Now, of course, there was a big bloodletting at the end of last season, um, despite them winning the championship. Well, actually, the decision was taken before they'd won the championship and where it looked like Dortmund were going to win it. But anyway, they got rid of them. So, Rummenigge and um, Hernes are, are back and influential. Thomas Tuchel has got far more sway over transfers than anyone really should be comfortable with. They have a sporting director in Chris Freund who has, has got great experience of, of, of working with Red Bull before but they have this week brought in um, the guy they wanted all along as their sporting director Max Ebel who was binned by RB Leipzig because they felt he was sniffing after the Bayern job in autumn and did a brilliant job at Borussia Mönchengladbach before he had to um, step out of that because of ill health. So they've still got to find the right balance upstairs. Now, again, a, a little bit like, say, a Chelsea with Freund, with Ebel, with the advice of Hernes and Rummenigge. They've got plenty of talent in there. Maybe a bit too much. I was about to say. You know, maybe they need to find what the actual chain of command is. But for the moment, what Tuchel, whatever your opinion of him, and Nagelsmann have had to deal with, with that circus going on upstairs, that is a huge reason why they haven't been able to do their business efficiently. Do you think, do you think they would have rather um, that they had not needed to do that? Would they have rather been like Pep? Or do you think they have forced it their own issue somewhat, Nagelsmann and Tuchel? Um, I think, I, th I think the, the, the situation in which Pep was working was, was the ideal and they would want every coach to, to, to have it like, like that. Um, I, th I think the, the way that the club briefed against Nagelsmann after, after he went, it's like, oh, well, you know, he went off skiing when the the results were bad, and you know some of the some of the players weren't that into him. Most of the dressing room was, as we know afterwards, from certainly the way that say Goretzka and Kimmich have reacted publicly when he became Germany coach, for example. That was all you know trying to justify the fact that they dropped the ball in appointing him and not supporting him, and then sacking him in 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 double quick time. So. It is so unusual to see Bayern this dysfunctional upstairs. I think the other part of it, of course, is that the transfer policy has changed a little bit. Now, I don't think the two things are completely disassociated. But the fact that the transfer market has changed and Bayern needed to at some point. I think they went along for quite a while with Harry Martinez at 40 million as their record signing. And they got Adidas to fund some of that. A kit sponsor. And then... Corentin Tolisso at 43.5 million euros was their record signing for a while. And you look at the amount that, you know, supposedly equivalent clubs are paying all over the world. Even Manchester City, who, you know, don't go and spend 200 million on a player, but spend fair chunks on a lot of different players, are in a completely different dimension to them. So 
you, you look at the signings that have been made with, say, you, you go from Leroy Zane and then you go to um, Luke Hernandez, for, ex- for example, and now you've got to the point of Harry Kane, which was, like, it may look like a no-brainer now, and he's done very well there, obviously, exceptionally well, but it's still a point of discussion that Bayern went out and spent 100 million euros plus on a player who had one year left on his contract. Yeah, and it, just, it was established international. It's, it's culturally very difficult to to cope with. It didn't feel very Bayern to me. No. And don't get me wrong, Harry Kane's a great striker. He's, and he's been a massive success so mm. far. It just didn't feel very Bayern. And it's also interesting. I just think it's interesting on a larger scale as well to see two clubs that I think you'd associate with being incredibly calm, very functional in Ajax and Bayern, both in at the same juncture, just being an absolute mess. Yeah, I mean, obviously... Part- They're usually seen as examples, aren't they? Yes, they are. They are. They yeah. are. The, the structure is more important than any individual. Yes. That's that's the most Im- Im- important thing for them. And But I think I think part of it is is not just that the personnel has changed and not just the, the, the approach has changed, but as I say, that the, the market has changed as, as, as well. That is, that's something that they've... They've had to get used to. Habitually, they were more comparable to City, I suppose, because they were not astronomical transfer fees, but big wages to get ahead and quite ruthless in terms of what they wanted to to pay people. And now they've had to change. You know, they they weren't didn't only go for Harry Kane and get Harry Kane. They went for Declan Rice, of course, as no. as, as as well. And now they're sort of creeping back to that old formula of oh, maybe we'll find a little. Market opportunity, seeing as we couldn't get Palinia over the line, it's it's very very difficult to for for them to compete in this environment culturally as much as anything else. Is it, is this an indication that um, what goes on upstairs in the boardroom has real financial ramifications when you get into the transfer market? Because all the other clubs know, well, you're in a mess up there in the boardroom, and you know we can either the clubs can basically winkle you out of as much money as you've got or other players will look and think hang on they're in a mess why should I go there I've got Saudi Arabia as an option now for example I think clubs are more aware of it now than ever Um, I think they I think certain clubs know that there are certain clubs they can maybe well take to the cleaners in terms of money Um, you know if you've got a club that is extremely well run functional then you can look at those clubs and take advantage of them um and on the player side of things yeah absolutely i think they know that there are probably clubs that they could go to that are career killers um so yeah i think there's a lot more awareness than people think there when it comes to both of those things this is a question from miguel that i love because it's going to answer my question i could have asked you this over and over and over again over the last few years whatever happened to villarreal once upon a time, it was the darling of the underdogs, if you like, of uh, uh, Europe. Europa League winners, of course, only a couple of years ago, and now firmly in the bottom half of La Liga. Before David answers, you, you know what this reminds me of, how the financial chaos at Atletico was overshadowed by the total financial shit show at Barcelona. I think... Villarreal have got a bit of a pass because Sevilla have been tripping over themselves to, I was, I was to, hoping to you're shoot say that. themselves in the foot. Yeah, I was hoping you were going to say that. Um, yeah, I mean, God, where to start with this one? So I think small picture is 
over the summer, um, and Jeremy Pino, who's one of their top stars, alluded to this recently. He said, I think preseason was not good. Um, he, he, was a, he, he was injured anyway, but he says, looking around, things did not go well. So there's your first red flag there, I think. Now, the bigger picture of this is, and you can draw a comparison to Sevilla here, I don't think that Villarreal, like Sevilla, um, moved away from older players quick enough. If you look at that Villarreal squad, it's old, it's aged. And there was a point in the summer when Kike Setien, when he was there, don't want to get the run to their fourth coach this season now, kind of said, we need to move on here um, from what we have. Um, this is an aging squad. I need players to carry out my style. Can you bring them in? Villarreal stalled there. They decided to keep the, the older heads around. There's another, there's another red flag there. Setien was then gone very, very soon after that. This despite saying to them, look, you're going to have massive problems down the line here. And here we are now with Villarreal in serious, serious trouble with an old squad, with players that should have been moved on a while ago. And to make matters worse, they, I mean, they brought Eric Bailey back, which again is just another red flag of what this club is doing. It. Well, what at least they, he's fit all the time. Yeah, I mean, at least he's fit. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> um, and this is the trouble that they are, they are in now. And they brought Marcelino back in... A desire to you know to run it back again. Um, you know Marcelino, who when he initially left Villarreal, left in a, a very strange manner. A lot of fallouts, rubbing up people the wrong way, as Marcelino has done at some other clubs as well. He comes back to save the day, and he hasn't really initiated anything to suggest that Villarreal will turn this around. I think they're in major, major trouble. Um, defensively, that they are absolutely spent. There is nothing there, and. Like we're discussing a lot now, teams like Las Palmas, Girona, these high-intensity sides will absolutely rip you apart. And they were ripped apart by a very exciting Las Palmas side. I mean, they have conceded more than twice as many goals as Las Palmas, which is extraordinary when you consider the resources available to both of those. Yeah, and I mean, Setian was forced in the summer. I mean, when you look at it, they lost Pau Pau Torres, Lacelso, his loan ended. Sam Chukwueze and Nicholas Jackson all left the club. They weren't properly replaced. Virial were kind of just bringing the money in and putting their survival as a as a club as a whole in this precarious financial position that everybody is in at the moment. How much has the stadium redevelopment affected that? Yeah, I think that I think that's I think that's a big part of it. But also, I mean, they sold Nicholas Jackson, Pau Torres, and Chukwueze. You'd look now and say they're going to have to do that again, I think. They're going to have to rely upon sales as well because, mm. you know, Villarreal aren't hugely supported. They're not bringing in a lot of money in terms of TV revenue. They're not mm. bringing it in through the, the turnstiles either. Sales are always going to be their bread and butter um, and they're going to have to do it again because they've still got some decent stars there, but not a lot. And you look when Jeremy Pino goes, uh, Bayern is a brilliant player as well who they've got, who I think is destined for huge things. Um once they go, you kind of like looking and thinking, where's the talent there? I think they're in big trouble because they are, again, it's the same as Sevilla. They, they failed to move on. They brought in older players. They've kept older players around. They've lost the model that everybody associated with them. Everybody used to associate Villarreal and Sevilla with incredibly smart, astute business in the transfer market. Sell high, buy low, develop talent, sell them on again, repeat the cycle. They, they, they're going to have trouble doing that. 
they also associated Villarreal being this Spanish team with loads of Brazilian players. Whatever happened to that connection? That that went long, long time ago. Okay. I think, I, I think, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at Pellegrini, Hede, um, you know, and they they used to bring in some fantastic South American talents, but also random uh, talents from around Europe as well. They always had their their squad was always such an interesting one. I thought, um, and. Yeah, they're so far removed from that, and so severe. Just two clubs really far removed from the initial, from the model that brought them made them, fan- success. made them successful. Oh, yeah. But I guess that's the interesting thing, isn't, isn't it? If if you think of Villarreal, they're a little bit like Leverkusen in that they are a club that is consistently successful in Europe, but because it's a small place, because it's not a major metropolis, you're, you're able. The advantage is you're able to develop players like sort of almost under under cover of night you know people aren't really looking at the details and i think how much Villarreal have changed over over the years as, as david says since pellegrini i think a lot of people who have quite a casual relationship with Villarreal and see them now and then think they still play that same sort of zesty football that they played under pellegrini yeah. whereas stuff has changed so much and as the squad gets older and as you have marcelino as your coach a couple of times mm-hmm. Football becomes slower, and if you compare that to the dynamism of uh, Girona or Las Palmas, who are a really great example in how to use resource. I mean, you, obviously, you can't play that sort of football if you've got thirty-eight-year-old Raúl Albiol. And that's the trouble at centre back. That's the trouble that Setién had. Mm. He flagged this up and said, "You need to bring in a different style of player. If I'm to bring move this club on, progress it, um, and you are to avoid a massive crash at some point, and." Here we are. They have crashed. Good question, Miguel. Thank you. Mm. Uh, And thank you for listening to Ask OTC. If you'd like to ask a question, you can contact us at any time at Radio Dotson, at Andy Brassel, at David Jacker, or at OTC Pod. And you can email us at OTC at footballramble.com. On the Continent is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.